Hello. Welcome to Why Not Both. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I'm a musician and therapist in Los Angeles. Why Not Both is all about how our multiple passions inform our identity. And this season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine and produced by Laura Studeris. If you like what you hear, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and come spend time with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, and that is both on Instagram and on Twitter. For this episode, we got to interview Nandi, otherwise known as Half Wife, all about her upcoming record, The Caretaker. And it was a rather timely interview, given that now we're all taking care of one another from afar, because we're all in quarantine, because there's a global pandemic. I hope you enjoy this interview. Well, Nandi, welcome to Why Not Both. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Welcome to, welcome to the quarantine edition of Why Not Both. <laughs> <laughs> it is so good to be connected with you right now. <laughs> Yay! Long distance friend of <laughs> Yay. Yeah, cross country. Do you guys have supplies there? Like it was just like Yeah. We went to Price Chopper um like a week ago and mm-hmm. um we went at ten thirty PM. It's twenty four hours. So we're like, that's oh. great. And it was like so many people there, no toilet paper. It was oh. very dystopian. Um <laughs> so yeah, we're we're trying not to go there that much, but it's funny because so much of our life up here is like inherently social distancing, um, that this doesn't actually feel all that different from how it is (laughs) normally for us. Like we cook, we cook pretty much all of our meals. Anyway, there's like not really any restaurants and right, um, right. we don't have like friends in town. We have friends like nearby, but we don't have friends like immediately in town. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's been interesting, but like, but it does have this height, new kind of heightened feel because we know that everybody else is experiencing it around us. Yeah, I was going to say, cause like, I would say I'm relatively introverted. Like I'll go to a show like maybe mm-hmm. once a month. Um, cause there's always something on in LA, but it's like, I tend to prefer solitary activities unless yeah. it's a very small group of people. Like I like socializing one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it's honestly, it's not a huge lifestyle shift. But what I have noticed is one, I can't go to the shop and buy normal people things. Um, and <laughs> then also I'm literally dealing with a lot of my friends who are not used to this lifestyle mm-hmm. and not having mental breakdowns. <laughs> yeah, that's like my sister is like, the complete opposite of me and she's totally totally freaking out (laughs) yeah I'm like Jenna just chill like read a book like enjoy this time that you have where you're not having to be in you know she's a teacher I'm like just enjoy it she's like I don't know what to do I'm freaking out I'm so grateful right now that we do have lots of ways to connect with one another at least virtually I know and it's so interesting because I feel like right before this all happened you know, you're seeing so many people talk about how damaging social media is for mental health. And, um, and certainly for me too, like needing to get away from the internet and like be grounded in the real world. And now we're seeing that totally flipped on its head where social media and internet is the place where we go to kind of connect and debrief and feel grounded. Otherwise we go insane in our solitude. So (laughs) it's it's pretty funny that it, it has shifted. Um, so radically along with everything else. <laughs> right. And 
I don't know if you notice this, uh, but at least like one, I don't usually scroll my feed very much because like even under the best of circumstances, I know that if I'm scrolling, it's because I'm probably having anxiety about something. Or mm-hmm. um, but recently people have either been posting informative things or like actually streaming themselves doing interesting things, which I actually like better. Like I'm really into watching people's live streams or talking one-on-one with people. Well, I always talk one-on-one with people, but watching <laughs> watching what people are choosing to stream is really cool. Like all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, my friends are so talented. Totally. I, yeah. I feel like it's, um, it's maybe just all around more meaningful content. Yeah. You know, and it's not just this like mindless dump. It's like, oh, this is actually something I want to share and um, that people want to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like taking, I mean, I've been like taking yoga classes online and um, seeing people like, yeah, offering therapy sessions. And um, it's this really like amazing outpouring of, of skill and talent as opposed yeah. to just like meandering musings that no one really cares to read. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I find that even as it's interesting being like a musician at this time, because even though like right now, like a lot of what I'm telling people about is like, oh, here's this music. Oh, here's obviously right now we're recording a podcast that we can share. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing it to be like, oh, I'm so great. Like, right. look at this music I made. <laughs> right. It's like, it's, it's an offering that you recognize as a human being, like could have some merit because you also are looking for ways to connect with people. Yes. Yes. And I find it really interesting based on like the theme of your album. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's it's interesting to me that this record is coming out right now (laughs) in the midst of all this yes because an album about caretaking during a time when we all need caretaking I was like hello this is very appropriate totally and and I wrote this album um in a time of my life when I was feeling very isolated um Mm -hmm. socially (laughs) um in sort of this like place of exile, you know, moving to the country and experiencing some of the relationships in my life um, ending or shifting. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of this was written from this place of being alone and kind of looking out at the world, um, looking for ways to connect. Mm-hmm. And so for this to be coming out now, and I'm like, <laughs> once again, in isolation, but actually now we're all here. <laughs> I was going to say now we're all in isolation together. Yeah, there is something comforting about that. I also do love the reference of like, once again, I'm coming to you <laughs> with an album. About <laughs> I know, I know, totally. <laughs> That's fascinating, though, like what informed your decision to even move to kind of like the countryside in the first place? Yeah, so we moved up here, um, what was it, in 2016, um, we were looking for a place to record an album. We -hmm. had left Brooklyn um, after living there. I'd been there for five years um, and was living with my partners, now my husband, and um, we were playing in a couple different bands and touring so much that it necessitated a move out of the city. Mm -hmm. Um, just couldn't pay the rent and also didn't really make sense to have a place there if we were hardly ever home. Oh yeah. Um, At that point it's like a storage unit. Exactly. So that didn't feel good. So we're like, let's just leave the city, kind of, um, go on the road for a while. Um, our home base was temporarily his parents' house in New Jersey, which, um, 
shout out to Mike and Laura. Thanks for putting us up. We were 27 and living in their house temporarily. Amazing. Um, it was great. Um, but then at the end of, of that little stint there and, and um, when we wanted to start working on another record, we looked for a rental home um, upstate. I feel like the Hudson Valley is, is always, New Yorkers talk about it. Um, like it's this Mecca that everyone is trying yeah. to get to or, or um, believes they'll some, someday live there. And certainly we had talked about it for years, like someday we'll move to Hudson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we were looking at places up in this area. Um, and this is pretty close to where I grew up, just about oh, wow. an hour. Yeah. So this, um, this area feels very much like home. I grew up in oh, Williamstown, Massachusetts, which is right on the border of, of New York. Um, <laughs> so we ended up in this little town. We had a summer rental and, and wrote the last record, Lavender, and, and recorded it there. And then when that summer rental was up, uh, we had fallen in love with this town, Chatham, New York, oh, and uh, decided to stay. So we've been here now like three years. And, oh, wow. Uh, certainly didn't expect to stay this long, but, um, <laughs> but, it's, but it's really become home. And, um, and yeah, grown to love it more and more. That's really wonderful. And I like that it allows you the space to actually, it sounds like it's a better space for where you're at now. If you are recording albums, um, as I mentioned before, there were banging sounds from one of my condo mates. Uh, <laughs> a few yeah. condos over that when they started, they had said, oh, you won't hear it in, in your spot. And I was just like, mm, I don't know if you know how noise works. Right. Uh, yeah. We don't, we don't have any of that here because, um, we don't really have any neighbors. <laughs> exactly. I was just like, that is the perfect place to record is where you have no neighbors. <laughs> exactly. And, and once we moved up here, I was sort of struck by the fact that I had lived in the city for so long because I grew up in this kind of environment. And I almost, you know, after living in New York and before that I had studied abroad in London, I was sort of exploring the city side of myself, um, which gave me a lot. But returning to the country and to nature was like, oh, this is who I am. This is such a part of my identity that I kind of forgot for a little bit. And Aww. it was such a natural um, reunion when I did come back up here. Um, it just, it felt right. That's so cool. Like, what parts of yourself did you rediscover? Um, I think it's the, the solitude. Mm. Um, I spent a lot of time alone as a kid, um, playing in the backyard. We had a big yard, mm -hmm. um, with like blackberry bushes and I had a rope swing and I, I just remember being outside, being in the yard, being in the woods surrounding my house, um, making up these worlds and going on adventures. And I think that was a big part of me becoming an artist and a songwriter was, um, just having the opportunity to cultivate my imagination by being out in nature by myself. I was like, I'm just listening to that. And I was like, that sounds so magical. <laughs> it, it really, it really was. I, I look back on my childhood. Um, you know, by the time I was in middle school, my parents had separated and I feel like from that point on, I was a little more angsty, uh -huh. <laughs> but, um, uh -huh. very, you know, very early childhood. Um, yeah, a lot of 
a lot of happy memories outside. We also, my family has a cabin in Maine, uh, very far northern Maine, mm-hmm. on the border of New Brunswick. And uh, we used to go there in the summers as a kid. And Aww. it's on a lake. And we would go you know, kayaking and canoeing. And um, a lot of exploring happened there, too. So, yeah, I think it was just a... I wasn't aware of it as a kid that it was that it was a big part of my upbringing, but mm-hmm. certainly now looking at you know my husband Zach who grew up in New Jersey, like right outside the city, it was a very different kind of upbringing. Um, but for me in this in this small town, um, being outside and, and in the woods um, and in the meadows was just like kind of an everyday part of life. There wasn't a lot to do in that town, so <laughs> I think <laughs> I had to kind of make my own fun. Well, then, that's what I was thinking when you were talking is that in some ways, because there's not like external stimulus, like in the city where there's always, always, always something to do, it's like you have to think of your own stuff to do. It's almost like a gift to be kind of bored. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I experienced that so much now as well, where it's like the, the days are much simpler and quieter and there's more space to fill in with your own creativity like you have to shape the time that you have um it's not going to be shaped for you by these outside forces like you really have to to be the one to mold it into something meaningful exactly and that's uh I love that you said like to like kind of like catch on to meaning of something and it sounds like in essence like being in nature is meaningful and then like fosters more meaning for you to do other things because I was like yeah that's what it hinges on is if you're just kind of I just imagine that, like, that gif of John Travolta from Pulp Fiction where he's just standing there being like, eh. um, <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. At first, you might have a few moments of that kind of eh, feeling, um, but then, like, something kicks in where all of a sudden that, like, inspiration strikes or you start looking around you and you're like, oh, wait, oh. <laughs> exactly. I think um, the beautiful thing about nature is it gives back so much to you and it's always changing. and we really take it for granted so often in our lives when we're kind of caught up in our, in our narratives and our worries. And, um, if you take a second to like, actually just look, there's so, there's such a richness of detail, um, all around us. And I, um, I'm looking out my window now and just like, it's so amazing that there's like, yeah, there's this whole incredible world out there that, that gives us something back. If you're, if you're open to, to being a part of that exchange. Right. And I, I think that it's a, I think that it's interesting when people believe that they're not part of that exchange. Like we, we are of that. <laughs> like we can, we can distance ourselves, but when it comes down to it, it's like, no, that's us too. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's been really important for me as well, like mental health wise to be living in, in the country whenever I'm getting very caught up in, um, in my problems or my woes, um, it's really nice to take a break and go for a walk outside where, you know, this whole ecosystem is thriving, um, and sustaining itself that has, has nothing to do with me. Um, of course there, there are the, there are the parts of nature that we are affecting, you know, very negatively, but, but in terms of just going out into the backyard, like the birds are out there, the deer are going by, like they don't care about, you know, my, my little issues, like (laughs) it's, uh, it's really, it's humbling and and comforting and it helps me, it helps me calm down. 
so often when I can just like remove myself from being the center of my life. <laughs> that's, oh, that's so true. Especially when, when you're watching, I, I was thinking of on a trail that I like to hike on. There's this one tree that the woodpeckers like to go to. Oh, nice. <laughs> they always make me so happy because like, it reminds me one, it's very consistent, but it reminds me of like, that there's something outside myself. There's just little sweet woodpeckers trying to get snacks. Totally. Yeah. Uh, bird watching is, is a newer hobby of mine. I'm like, I'm really, I'm trying to get more into it and learn how to identify all the birds in the area. Um, so yeah, we, we went on our honeymoon to Costa Rica in August and we did a, a bird watching expedition there and we oh my gosh. both, both became obsessed with bird watching. And then for Christmas this year, we <laughs> unknowingly got each other binoculars. Um, so anyways, <laughs> we, we, have the, uh, <laughs> we have the equipment and now that, uh, actually today is the first day of spring. So we'll be out there with our binoculars, um, looking for some new friends. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, that's so true. I was just like, oh yeah. In all of this, I was just like, it's Ostara today. I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you start getting into that? I was like, first off, that's precious that you both got each other binoculars. I was just like, that's like the best gift of the Meiji situation you could ever get out. <laughs> 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 I was like, how did that start? And what have you learned through it? Because it, it fascinates me. It's something that I don't know that much about. I just have woodpecker friends. Yeah, well, I think part of it is just, um, so I read this book called Braiding Sweetgrass. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've read it or heard of it, but mm -hmm. I highly recommend it to everybody. It's by Robin Wall Kimmerer. Um, and she is this botanist. Um, and also belongs to the Potawatomi tribe. Oh, wow. Um, so she's combining scientific and indigenous wisdom and teachings about the planet, about uh, the earth and um, wildlife and kind of our place in things. And so I, I read that book um, two summers ago, um, and it, it was really about honoring where we live by knowing the names of the trees and the birds and the creatures that are around us. Um, yeah. There's something that really has struck me about that, like um, wanting to, you know, wanting to learn the names to recognize that I'm just one part of this landscape. I don't own this landscape. The trees right. in my yard were here long before I was here. Right. Um, so it kind of set me on this journey of wanting to, yeah, wanting to like look at each thing and be able to say like, oh, hello you know, woodpecker, like, hello, locust tree, and um, really be able to see it um, in this way that celebrates and honors it. That book was, I realized as you were talking about it, that book was heavily referenced in Jenny O'Dell's book, How to Do Nothing. <laughs> yes, it was. I just read that book a couple, <laughs> a couple weeks ago, and I was so stoked when she mentioned uh, braiding sweetgrass and also her love of bird watching. That's um, so funny. I was just like, I was like, hold up. This sounds familiar. I haven't read this book, but I was like, why does it sound familiar? And then I was like, wait. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Those are two of my favorite books um, and absolute must reads for everyone right now, I would say. Yeah. I think How to Do Nothing. And I just interviewed and released a podcast on Lane Moore, who wrote the book How to Be Alone. Oh, cool. Yeah. And I was just like, well, that's, <laughs> we all need a primer. So thank you for this. <laughs> yes. That's great. I've got to read that. 
It's so good. I was like, I highly recommend it. I, I'm about three quarters of the way through it. And, and she's just, uh, she's charming and heartbreaking and informative. And I, I adore it. <laughs> and That's her. my favorite kind oh. of writing. <laughs> yes. You're like, I want to hug you yeah. so myself. Yes. I want to give a hug myself. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> That's so interesting. And especially being being out in the country and working at that pace, like, did you find that that changed how you were writing because you were kind of, it's almost like shifting into a different gear of living, it sounds like you're describing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, this album, The Caretaker, it was sort of the longest and most focused I've ever worked on an album before. Um, in the past, uh, I would write you know, Lavender was written kind of between touring and um, mm-hmm. in a more transitory space. But The Caretaker was written in, in just one place in the room that mm-hmm. I'm sitting in now, looking out this window and into the yard. <laughs> um, and it was written, really worked on uh, in a very focused way over the course of a year um, in which I didn't tour very much. And mm-hmm. I was thinking a lot about just wanting every element of this record to be more deliberate. Um, I mean, I feel really privileged at this point in my life that music is my full-time job. So I'm able, you know, to spend my days doing this, but I think it was also um, kind of the gift of this place and, and this point in my life where I was able to um, enjoy the, the slower pace of it and um, give myself permission to, I, I wrote so many songs for this record um, mm-hmm. or like ideas for songs and, and, you know, scrapped so much of it, um, but was really able to like take my time in figuring out what this record was going to be and what, right. what was it about? And even the name, I, I was so frustrated that I, I didn't come up with the album title until really late in the process. And um, <laughs> I mean, I was just talking about kind of the importance of naming things and how that feels like an honoring. So I was like, desperately trying to figure out what this record was called. I was like, who are you? What's your name? I want to, I want to call you something, but I need to honor um, the name. And it's like, I shan't tell you yet. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you must not know yet. (laughs) (laughs) You're not ready. (laughs) So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't until much later on that, um, that this idea of the caretaker as a character even came to me. Mm. Um, and again, I think, uh, I think that wouldn't have happened, um, necessarily if, I hadn't been in this place in this headspace. Right. Cause like in a way it sounds like you you're taking care of the grounds itself, but also like metaphorically, it's like it sounds like and you I love that you mentioned, you know, like yes, this is my full-time thing and I'm lucky to do that. But at the same time, you took the time to really foster yourself to be able to do that well. <laughs> like I was like, oh totally, cool. totally. It's it's um you know, it's going into a lot of dark places too. It's, it's going there with yourself. It's spending Mm -hmm. the time to dig deep and excavate and like press on old wounds. Um, so it's as, as much as I enjoy making albums, I love writing music. It's my most favorite thing to do in the world. Um, you know, it is, it is a, a challenging process. Yes. Um, that takes like, yeah, it takes a lot of time and energy. I've, I've really come to realize that, um, that it is, um, that it, you really benefit from the process of it being this slow unfolding because you kind of go to new depths in yourself. And in a way it reminded me of bird watching itself where you can't like, 
you can't necessarily dictate when the birds are going to be there. You can't be like, now is the bird time. (laughs) (laughs) And like the best you can do is just show up for the bird time. Um, But it's like, say, I, I don't know if you have this experience, but I feel similarly when I'm working on music where the best I can do is like show up and work on it. And sometimes you're like, great, the birds are here. And sometimes there's only like one bird and sometimes there's no birds. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm really, really loving this metaphor. <laughs> I, I think, I think that's totally true though. Yeah. You, um, you certainly, you know, they kind of, the kind of birds and, and, uh, creative ideas kind of have a mind of their own. Um, right. but I agree the best you can do is, is show up for it. And, um, and again, like in, in writing so many ideas for this record, um, it was like recognizing that a lot of those were, were not going to work out. Um, but kind of like had to, had to go through that, um, and start scratching the surface Mm -hmm. before, Mm -hmm. before the big ideas could come. Yes. And also sometimes, I don't know if you find this, but occasionally if I'm working on a song, I'll be like, this isn't the song for right now, or this isn't the song for like this project, but this is a great song. And I'm just going to kind of like, file it away for like great songs soon, but not for right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I feel like I, I know that feeling, but I also think I do kind of the opposite where I'm like, everything I write, that's a new thing I'm like most excited about. So I'm like, this is going to go on this album. Or like, this this will, like, I will try to mash this. I'm working on a new record right now. And I'm literally doing that. I'm like, I have a new song. Let me mash this into this form. Um, I try to do that. Like it's literally the first the first week that a song is in existence that I've written, I think it's the best thing I've ever written. <laughs> I know. Like without fail, I'm always like, this was it. Yeah. And, and then I'm like, oh, uh, okay, now I have a bit more perspective. It's like I get obsessed with it where I'm like, you, you are my one true love. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. It happens every time. And and it, and it always makes me laugh then when I listen back like a week or two later and I'm like, oh, that was okay. Like, I don't know why I was so into that or it'll be that I'll think it's incredible until I play it for someone else and then when I listen to it kind of through their ears I'm like <laughs> oh wait this isn't actually <laughs> that special you're like hold up yeah it's yeah been, I'm so glad you mentioned that like uh, taking one's time because I'm working on this song that a friend of mine is um it's actually a friend who has a cabin in Maine um mm. Yeah, because that's where he records. Um, he was on the podcast too. Uh, nice. <laughs> literally, currently, my plan in life is just recruit friends and have them talk on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a pretty good life. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not gonna lie. If that's my like most evil plot, like I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, we were we. I was sending demos back and forth with him and it was interesting because he really liked this one part of the song I was writing. And then there was another part where he's like, Oh, I, I hate this one cadence. He's like, it's not that I hate that you're doing it. He's like, I just don't like that cadence. And it sparked my brain that I was like, huh, well, I don't have anything really for or against that cadence. I'm not like, I'm not really attached to it. So mm-hmm. I, was like, I wonder what will happen if I try a different cadence in the verse. And the next thing I knew I've written like four different versions of the verses <laughs> Like, and so I'm like, whoa, I would have never done that if someone else hadn't, like, if I hadn't given it to someone else's ears. <laughs> right. And right. Yeah. Very well-informed ears, mind you. Like, I, I trust him very much, but like hearing it through his ears, I was like, oh, I wonder if I can switch that up. Totally. I think that's a really interesting part of the process for me as well, where I'm writing very intensely in a place of solitude and isolation. Like, I don't really 
I don't write films with people. Um, it's like my, my sacred space and my, um, my happy time when I'm writing. Um, but then with every record that I've worked on, there comes a point where I bring, you know, trusted ears and collaborators into it. And it's really interesting to see the music kind of take on new life when it, um, when it leaves this room. It's, it's, it's always like a little bit bittersweet, I guess, um, to give up a part of yourself. But I think that there's so much possibility in um, making something great by like elevating it you know, with other people's ideas that I can't, I can't not take advantage of that opportunity. Like every time I'm, I'm, I'm always, I always take that next step to bring someone else in. Yes. Cause there's, and I do agree that like when songs are in their kind of like really precious baby state, like basically when songs are too new, you can't show them to people cause they're too mushy. Mm -hmm. Um, There's like a right point when you can be like, oh, now you can give me feedback. Now I can hear it through your ears because otherwise it's almost like you're too close to it. Totally. I think, yeah, it's it's a balance and that's something that I've been learning more and more about myself, you know, over the years of, of being a songwriter and doing this for a living and, and now spending so much time alone and um, and recognizing the the benefit of bringing in outside ears, but but definitely at the right point. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I was thinking about that you said that you were really fortunate to be a full-time musician. And I was just curious. I was like, what'd you do before that when you were like a musician and other things? Oh, yeah. So um, I had a lot of different jobs (laughs) when I lived in New York. (laughs) Um, I worked in a cheese shop for a little while. (laughs) Awesome. So I know about cheese. Heck yeah. um, Which is pretty cool. That's a good, good skill to have. Um, I was a nanny and then I worked for a while, um, for about four years with a music nonprofit oh, in wow. Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, we, um, well, they're still going, they're called found sound nation and they organize, uh, projects and programs around the world that bring different groups of people together through collaborative music making. It's oh my God. pretty cool. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's amazing. What was your role with them? Uh, I was, um, it was a really small team. So I did kind of a lot of different things, but on our big program, I was a tour manager actually. Mm-hmm. So I got to see the other side of the life that I live now. Um, what was yeah, that? That was, it was a big task because this was a program that we did. It was a month long residency and tour for um, like 25 musicians from around the world. Oh, wow. um, so they all spoke different languages and, um, they were all, they were all adults <laughs> <They're> all, like, <laughs> my age, and I had to like wrangle people, um, get them where they needed to go. But, uh, but it was a good, it was a good skill to hone, um, oh. knowing how to be organized on the road like that. So now up to this point, I've actually tour managed myself on my, my U S tours. Um, I'm really good at spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say that is oh my god like managing all the tour ma- managing all the tour managing good job him um, <laughs> <laughs> juggling all of the tour managing while also being the artist performing is those are such different roles that I imagine it's almost like you'd have to kind of really like that goes even beyond like oh I'm gonna I'm just gonna put on a different hat like that's so much to do when you're on the road yeah it's funny I I feel like I've I've always had this um, I've always lived in this contrast in myself where on one hand I'm very 
creative and that free spirit, um, always dreaming up worlds. And, and on the other hand, I'm like a little bit type A and uh-huh. uh, very organized and like to be in control. Um, I guess those things make sense when they come together being like a solitary songwriter. Like I like to be in control of my writing. Right. Um, and I'm very disciplined with like making this, uh, my career. There were, there were so many points along the way where I said I was going to quit music. Um, like so many, so many moments where I was like, you know, I've been pushing so hard and it doesn't seem to be you know, going as fast as I wanted to, or, or going where I wanted to go. And, um, and, you know, I just, I didn't, I haven't quit yet. <laughs> and <laughs> I think that's because when I, when it comes down to it, um, you know, I started writing songs and, um, you know, making up music as a kid, just for the sheer joy of it. It just, right. I just loved doing it. It was, it was my way of interpreting, the world around me, um, running around the yard and, and making up my, my worlds and my imaginary friends and then turning those into songs, you know, that was just like a natural extension of communicating with the world. And so I think I haven't, I haven't quit because I'm just kind of held by this, um, very basic instinct to, um, to keep interacting with the world that way. Well, and it's, it's fascinating what you said about like that it wasn't going as fast as you wanted. It wasn't this. And I find that, I mean, I've experienced that. And I think just about every musician I've talked to Mm -hmm. (laughs) experienced that where it's the external things that make it difficult as opposed to necessarily the wanting to make music itself. Like that's always there. And it seems almost like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be like, well, a music career has to look like X, Y, Z, or it has to do this, or it has to do this on this timeline. Right. Um, it yeah, pressure on us. Totally. And it's it's really interesting right now on a global level, like we're being told to slow down. Yeah. You know, this um this productivity machine um and this drive to like always do more and and keep generating more content and whatever, like we're just being told we have to slow down. And yeah. um I think that'll be really interesting to like see what kinds of work comes out of this time. Because as I said, this mirrors in some ways the life I have already been living for the last couple of years up here where everything did slow down. I removed myself from the city, um, which, you know, was really sad at first. The city was my home, but then I saw that it was so much better for my mental health to like yeah, just physically remove myself from this center of productivity. Um and, and step outside of it, um, step outside of the, the expectations that I had for myself there and, and kind of rewrite my own rules. Well, and I feel like it would give you a different kind of attention. Like we were talking about how to do nothing mm-hmm. earlier and what you're talking about reminded me of some of the things that she was writing about, about that it gives you the chance to actually give what you're doing deep attention because you're outside of the mindset of productivity. You're just in the mindset of you know, kind of seeing what comes in the moment, seeing what comes creating and showing up for it. It's not like you're just sitting there, um, but it's like, you're <laughs> totally, you're, you know, you're giving it your full attention though. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's so cool to be able to do that. And in a way we kind of just did that to ourselves where I was talking to a friend yesterday, I had to drop off photo gear. And so I allowed my friend to take it out of the trunk of my car 
but like I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't get out of the car. Um, so we're talking as she's like behind my car and I'm like, wow, well, this is novel. Hi, <laughs> back there. Um, right. but she said she was feeling, uh, she was like, yeah, I keep getting caught in Facebook. And I said, well, what books are you reading? And she's like, no, Facebook. And I was like, no, what books? Mm. And she was like, Facebook. And I said, no, <laughs> book, 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 book. And I felt like, like a duck being like, book, book, book. But like, <laughs> I was like, no, a book, book. Yeah, <laughs> so a real like, book. Yeah, I was like, we're allowed to do that. This is a perfect time to just be like, pick up whatever books are in your home that you haven't been reading. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Slow down. And, yeah. And, and actually even even more for me right now, I, um, I've been told to slow down because I'm experiencing, uh, like debilitating back pain for the first time in my life. Yeah. So that was actually something I was thinking about in coming into this conversation, which is so much about nature and, uh, nature as healer and place of inspiration. Um, Mm -hmm. but right now when I, um, when I want most to be outside going for walks, I'm, I'm actually not able to, um, which has been really hard the last few days. Um, but there are so many other ways to engage with the outside world. Uh, one being Cornell's ornithology lab, uh, on their website, they have all of these bird cams so you can actually watch. So I've, I've been watching like a live stream of some birds in Canama. (gasps) <gasps> um, oh my God. Which is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. You feel like you're there and it's happening in real time. These are actual animals <laughs> in an environment. That's so um, cool. So that's been a really nice way for me to engage. Um, and then also, uh, I can't go for walks, but I can sit in the yard and, and yeah. again, just like kind of, uh, limiting my scope. So I'm just focusing on one tree or one branch. And, um, and as we said, it's the equinox and spring is here and the birds are all coming back. So, um, you know, having these kind of slower, quieter moments where I'm, I'm more stagnant than I'd like Mm -hmm. to be, but, um, it's like forcing me to, to find new outlets for connecting with nature and also like honing in even in a more detail-oriented way to like the very immediate surroundings. I was gonna say like in a way I was I was so sad that you didn't get to take walks but in a way I'm like hey you get to really know the things in the yard. Absolutely yeah (laughs) I mean there's a rich it's a rich world you know just right here um and crocuses are coming up behind the house I just this week um and that was really exciting I mean I was like I was hooting and hollering when I saw that (laughs) what a gift (laughs) like they're back they're back yeah and I think like tuning into those cycles around us instead of I don't know it really struck me when you were talking about like creativity versus productivity um that's definitely come up a lot Mm -hmm. um and just tuning into the world around us that's not about productivity Mm mm-hmm like there's so much to tune into that's not about like what are you making, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I'm a Capricorn, so I have a really hard time with that. I mean, I like, <laughs> I, I, uh, I want to be productive all the time, and and sometimes fall, find myself lapsing into um, like into that kind of wheel in my head of just yeah. like okay, well, how what's what's next, what's next, what's next? What can I make? What can I create? What can I generate? Yep. Um, but but again, just like recognizing that 
nature and the world around us um, offers us a different a different way of being in the world that's removed right. from that machinery. Right. And that's so funny you said that. My friend that I'm producing, um, his songs, he's a Capricorn and I was born on the Aquarius Pisces cusp. So he mm-hmm. always jokes that he calls it, I think, I think it actually is the name, unless he made it up, in which case it's the name now, but it's the cusp of sensitivity. Oh, <laughs> that's beautiful. I was like, that's so lovely. Cause like, I would say I am pretty driven to create, but I tend to do it from like, oh, well, what are the multiple perspectives of this? And how are the different ways we can look at it? And how are you feeling? How am I feeling about the creation? And so it's like, I'm very driven, but I don't have that. Like, he's like a mountain goat. Like we hike together. And sometimes I'm like, yo, slow down. I'm only yeah. five feet tall. Like calm myself. <laughs> and so it's, I feel the same way when we're working together. That It's that push pull of like, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm the person that then is sitting on the hill staring at my foot. Um, (laughs) but I'm certainly not the, like, let's charge up the hill. Go, 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 go. Um, so it's a good balance to have, to remind yourself that, you know, you can, you're, you're going to make it up the hill regardless. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, um, that just reminded me of something I've been thinking about with like, um, turning 30. So I'm 31 now, but, but turning 30 and entering my thirties was this really wonderful, experience of feeling like in my 20s I was I was like charging up this hill just feeling mm-hmm. like I gotta get there and that like to me in my 20s the 30s turning 30 was this was kind of the peak and was like okay I like have to achieve all of these things before I I reach that point um and then of course that was a total totally arbitrary right. idea. And I, I turned 30 <laughs> and I and I kind of got to that point that I thought was the peak and I and I'm there and I'm looking out at this like vast beautiful vista of the rest of my life and there's so much more yeah so much more and it was it was a feeling of relief and sort of in the way that I removed myself from the city and like gave myself that permission to mm-hmm. to leave um i've also found that like this new decade of my life has been like a kind of permission to yeah to slow down and yeah and enjoy it and you know that's that's the point yes you know that's the point in itself i feel like that right there like what you just captured i was going to ask you what your advice would be to others but i feel like you just gave that advice <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Instead of like seeing things as like the end point that it's just like a vista to look out to like all of what's in front of you. I was like, I love that. Exactly. I mean, I really think that that's been a huge lesson for me to learn. Um, and it's made me uh, just find even more meaning in, in my work and in, in writing songs. Yeah. Um, not as like this end point of like, okay, what album is this going to be on? And like, you know, where is this going to go? But just... Um, enjoying like watching myself become more skillful and grow as a songwriter and producer yes that's I I think that every artist should hear that that like I I know that I put that pressure on myself and I know a lot of other people did too but the more I'm talking to artists it's like we're all like we have to do it by the time we're 25 or by the time we're 30 or by like you know like these like deadlines that we have for ourselves, and then you get to the deadline and you're like it was all a ruse. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, oh, oh, I actually am getting better at this. I was talking to uh, Bethany from Best Coast and mm-hmm. we were talking about how great your 30s are because she's like, I'm the kind of person that buys jars and puts sticks in them now. And I was like, I love stick jars. 
Like, <laughs> that's so great. We're just like, oh my God. And we're just like, if your 30s are this good, can you imagine how great your 40s are going to be? And then your 50s, like, we're like, oh my God, like the secret is actually that it gets better. <laughs> I know. It just gets deeper, you know? You just yes. kind of, yeah, you find like, they're like the the ground beneath you just like it's deeper and deeper and exactly. you can sink into it more and more it becomes yeah. more and more magical and I was just like oh. Yeah. oh well thank you again for joining me on why not both I really appreciate you taking the time thank you so much Pam I really enjoyed chatting with you thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of why not both if you liked what you heard please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform you can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who has been absolutely amazing. Thank you again, and I look forward to next week's episode.